a Baptist preacher was kneeling at the altar and he felt a sharp pain right in his right eye. He says to himself, what is that? And then he got up in front of the, the audience and he says, is, that, is there anybody um, possibly here, anybody here that has like a sharp pain or that has pain in their right eye? And to say the least, his confidence was very low. First time he'd ever done anything like this. And uh, Baptist preacher was way out, foreign territory for this guy. But sure enough, the little lady raised her hand, Ruth, that's me. And she had tunnel vision on her right eye. And when he prayed for her, that little team prayed for her, it was healed. Boom, like that. So, first time he'd ever done that. So he said, well, I'll just let her testify next week. So the next week rolls around. Ruth gets up and starts testifying about how she had just got healing, an impossibility. The doctors couldn't fix it. No one could fix it. But her tunnel vision became... Uh, you know, became just totally opened up, and uh, and and of course the pastor described how he had this little thing he had like a little pain in his eye, and so after the testimony, this lady stands up in the back. She goes, "I think I got one of those thingies too." She said, "My right wrist is hurting, and I I've never had it hurt before." Uh, so the pastor said, "Is there anybody here that had any?" pain in your pain in the wrist well nobody said anything so here he is he's thinking oh no I've opened a Pandora box now everybody in my congregations are, are feeling these little thingies and, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do you know uh, he said right before the benediction though this girl came up I've had two operations on my wrist and I'm in pain right now and I've had plastic in my arm and boom they prayed for her pain went away she was completely healed that was the beginning of Randy Clark's ministry in, in healing and the, those since that day in the 80's healing has started moving across the nation. We hear, in the, you know, in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you, you had these big revivalists. One of them's name was Jack Cole. Um, we knew another guy that, you know, my, we, my, my mom and dad were friends with another guy that went with Jack Cole. Then there was uh, Oral Roberts. There was many more. Um, Catherine Kuhlman is the one that's probably the most famous. She was she would come out in these really like angelic gowns and just say, "Holy Spirit, just come," you know, "Holy Spirit, come." And uh, but the difference between the reason I'm talking about those guys, those 
were in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. I, I just want to talk about the daring faith that God is doing in these days. He's moving from a place where we were under, uh, you know, under apostolic authority and where the, the big ministers would minister out and, and all of, everyone would look to the, the guy at the pulpit to, to perform miracles or give prophetic words or pray for the sick. He's mo God's moving us into a place where uh, many have prophesied and called it the saints movement, where we as saints before the Lord, we are we're Christians and, and lovers of God, and we are pressing forward to, uh, to understand God and to know God more in the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So from the very beginning of Clark's ministry to today, Christians have been operating in what I call the saints movement, but they're, they're just operating in supernatural all the time. We, uh, you know, our mission field now has moved from the churches to where now we're in the malls, we're in grocery stores. Uh, the best, you know, the best place is right there in the airplane. They got you got a captive audience; they can't move from their seat, right? Next slide. But what Randy Clark has said is that healing is a prophetic sign. Healing is a prophetic sign to the culture that God can use everybody. God can use everybody. Say, God can use me. And look at the guy next to you, the person next to you, and say, hey, God can use you. All right? So we're going to continue this daring faith message today and talk about Hebrews 11. I can't get out of Hebrews 11. I was there last week and then I said, well, I'm going to move on beyond verse chapter, you know, verse 1. And then I started, I read it in a different version and it totally took me down a completely new path about faith. And that is when you read it in the New American Standard, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the convictions of things not seen. Convictions. In, in the Greek, that word means that it's a proof. Something is proved or tested or tried. It's your conviction. No matter what happens, you're going to believe that. You're going to strongly believe this opinion. You are, uh, you are, it's your thought, your persuasion, your idea, your position, your stance or your article of faith. That's kind of, that is the kind of faith, the assurance of things hoped for that faith is. You will not be moved from faith. So when I looked it up, where did I find conviction, the most conviction? It was in the British northern colonies when they settled in America. They came to America and established this United States in 1776 on and for the purpose of religion. They refused to compromise their, 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 their passionately held convictions. 
They didn't move. They risked crossing the sea, and believe me, they thought they were going to fall off the edge of the world because it was flat. Their belief was, and they'd been taught all their lives, the, the world was flat. They didn't care. Their conviction in the Holy Spirit, their convictions in God, their religious freedom was worth falling off the world. They didn't care. They were going to go. Now, some of these, of course, were not were after the first, first set of people that came. But the first set of people were going because they were, they were convicted. So how strong is our conviction? Right? We need to take the word for what it is. We need to take Isaiah 53, 5. By his stripes we were healed. We, we, are, we are healed, right? We are healed because it's in the Old Testament. And then 1 Peter 2.24, we were healed. Looking back, we, are, we were healed by his stripes. So what position? We're conv- does, is that the word? Does the word say that? That we were healed when Jesus was, took the stripes on the cross? Yes. We got to be strongly convicted of that. New slide. So when you have that conviction of the Holy Spirit, it says it was that by it men of old gained approval. Now I was lying on my bed this morning meditating on my sermon. And I was the first thought was is it already 7 o'clock in the morning? That was my first thought. I'll be honest. The second thought, though, was, wow, I am in a position of rest here. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's a position. Approved of God is positioning yourself in the same place that he is. Where are we? in our position. There's really two words that I saw in the Bible that had positioning in it. And it's matero and apoptikmi. And I'm not going to say those two words again. But they're Greek, meaning approved, but the one in 11, two, is the same word that we use for martyrs. Witnesses and martyrs were interchanged throughout the word. Sometimes they would say witnesses and sometimes they would say martyrs. What does that mean? Well, we're to get, we're to get our word out, witness and testimony. The testimony is a powerful one. Now, when you get, when, you know, when you get out on a limb and testifying, sometimes it's uncomfortable. May, you may look kind of silly, right? I, I really prayed for the football guy Saturday. He, he was this offensive lineman, and he was chasing down Alabama's defensive lineman that caught the ball. And right in the middle of the field, 
he stumped his toe and fell off and he looked like a klutz. I prayed for him because I remember those days when they would rewind it and wind it in the locker, you know, at, on film day the next week. They'd rewind it and everybody would laugh because it looked funny. This guy was totally a klutz. But you know what? He had a conviction. He was, he, he had that, man, he was going to go and try to get that guy down no matter what. And that's the kind of conviction. you got to be all in. you got to go for it no matter how you're going to look. So, anyway, you men of Israel have heard Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Miracles, wonders, and signs. So, that word, surprisingly, is the same word that in Greek that we get paradigm. I was kind of shocked actually when I, when I saw that. I was surprised to know that a man approved by God that pointed himself away from oneself to focus and expose a new view. That's who Jesus was. And how did he expose those new views? He did it by demonstration. He did it by signs, wonders, and miracles. First Corinthians 4.9 says, For I think God set forth us the apostles. He gave a paradigm of the apostles. That word set forth is the same word. And made us a spectacle to the world and to the angels and to men. Made us a spectacle. We as Christians are to be a spectacle to the world. And I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about just finding the love of God for the person across from you. God's given us a new paradigm. In the New Testament, it's one that is others-oriented. It points away from ourselves. It exposes a view. It's, it's that wrap, wrapped up in these two verses is a new paradigm. Next slide. So this pattern, this model that Jesus gave us is one that, uh, that's mutually exclusive from other thoughts and views. Okay? When you, go into a, when you go into a football game and you get into overtime, they have to flip a coin. That's a mutually exclusive event. You're either going to get heads or you're going to get tails. You're not going to get both of them at the same time. So we as a church, we as a Christian, me as a Christian, I have to understand that I can't be wavering from back and forth like like the Bible says, like the wind blowing a reed from one doctrine to another doctrine, back and forth, because he says those type of people are double-minded and unstable in all their ways. We have to be a, a firmly rooted, daring faith people. Daring faith. This gives us a paradigm to declare miracles, 
signs and wonders. It's mutually exclusive, which means it can't be both. You can't have declaring signs, wonders, and miracles, and then have the and then pray, Lord, I pray that if this is your will, heal this person. Because we already know it's God's will. He died on the cross. We have to live in 2 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we were healed. We've got to declare the works and the, and the acts of God in our life. Pull them forth by declaration. What do kings do? Kings declare. And we are all kings and priests before him. That's what the word says. This paradigm that we're, that we're, that we're moving from where, where, again, where all of the old, in the old days when the apostles and the, the, the big man on stage would do everything is moving into the saints movement where we as Christians are out in our everyday life doing life and uh, just, just normal things are happening. I'll tell you a good example like last Christmas when I went to um, a Cracker Barrel, got me a little gift for Christmas and I had, the lady, I had this, little, this little girl, she, couldn't have, she could have been my daughter, wrapping my gifts and uh, John will tell you this girl was the slowest gift wrapper you ever saw. But it turned out to be a good thing because when I looked at her name, another name came to my mind. Now I'm 55 years old so I can forget names so I, I can't remember the name but I'm going to call her Martha. Right? This girl, her name tag wasn't Martha but the first name that came to my mind was Martha. And I said, I see your name tag there but who's Martha? So as I, remember, I'm just... I'm just taking a chance, taking a risk, living some daring faith. If this is the Lord, you know what's going to happen? She's going to say, I know her. What's the worst that can happen? Oh, I don't know Martha. Oh, okay. That's the worst thing that can happen. But guess what happened? She goes, that's my aunt. I go, your aunt? I said, is there something, is there a problem between you and your aunt? And she goes, yeah, I hate my aunt. I go, you hate your aunt? How can you hate your aunt? She goes, well, she was trying to throw my, she's trying to throw my mom in jail for this and that, this and that. You know, she went through a whole long story. And I said, well, why do you think God brought Martha's name to my mind? And she goes, well, I think he wants me to forgive her. And sure enough, man, we sat right there. And she was already taking a long time. It wasn't going to have, you know. So we just said, Lord, I said, do you want me to pray or do you want to pray? She goes, uh, you, you help me pray. I got, so I let her in a prayer. I said, Lord, we just forgive Martha. She did some bad stuff to us, but we forgive her. And man, her tears started flowing out of her eyes. And she felt a huge weight off of her. She goes, wow, I didn't know that was so important to me. But anyway, that's what I'm talking about. That kind of lifestyle living. 
No, she still took a long time to wrap that thing. My, I don't know, I think Millie was out waiting and she went, what took you so stinking long? Anyway, paradigm shifts. No life needs to be short of the potential of what God's got inside of us. We are to share the gospel with our circle of influence. And it's mutually exclusive if God wills versus the declarative miracle signs and wonders. Next slide, brother. I didn't have this one, the previous service because I messed up, but we got it this time. So you guys are lucky. You get, the, you get the missing slide. So what do we get out of those first two verses? We got the Holy Spirit has, given, has come to really give us the ability to obtain approval of God and be His witnesses. We are in a place of approval. It's not like an action that he approves, right? I just want to make it clear. God is not giving us an approval. Oh, you're doing a good job. No. We're in a position of approval, okay? Through the Holy Spirit. When that Holy Spirit came, he gave us the power to become witnesses. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We're positioned in that place of power and approval of the Holy Spirit when we exercise what he's given us. We are in a lifestyle of martyrdom, dying to yourself, a new paradigm of others-oriented. Jesus came to give us that paradigm. What are we supposed to look like? We're supposed to look like Jesus. What did Jesus do? Signs, wonders, and miracles, right? We are to wield that sword of the Spirit by faith to perform miracles. It's a step of faith to womb. You want a miracle in your life? Who is that name, girl named Martha? Who is that? That's, that's as easy as it is. We just had a conversation. This is not weird. It's not way out. It's not spooky. Paradigm shift. We are shifting to our mindset to model Jesus, right? Allowing him to reign and rule and work in our life. We are taking choices to form this mutually exclusive power, powered mindset. Why, how do we take that choice? We choose to find the love of God for the person across from us. That's how we're choosing to do it. Choosing to walk in faith. Lord, I know I cannot pay my bills next week, but what are you going to do? And boom, something pops into your mind. Sell this, do this, do that. And, you're, and all of a sudden it comes, right? All things are possible. Next slide. Before I say that, I just wanted to, to say one more thing. When the woman had the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 5, what did, what did they say? They said, 
she saw herself healed. If I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. A paradigm that if we just touch the Holy Spirit, just touch God, we have to have a, a mindset, the same mindset that the woman had. The woman that, with the issue of blood, when I touch him, I will be healed. When the Holy Spirit says to do something, if I do that, I will be healed or I will, I will obtain whatever the Lord's telling us at the time. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared. When I read that, I was like, wait a minute, worlds were prepared by the word that we're reading here in our Bibles. And that one is to fit and mend and make perfectly joined together something out of nothing. What is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now, the seat that you're sitting on, right? It's got metal in it. It's got some nice cushions. It's got this cloth over it. And it's blue cloth. And that cloth came from a cotton seed that made cotton probably in southeast Missouri where I grew up. I could just see those guys. The old days, my, my dad and mom used to pick, pick cotton. And they, you know, those things, I don't know if you know, but those things got things that just really like, eat into your hands, really sharp. You know what I'm talking about? You pick cotton before? You know, you've, you've seen the cotton ball there, right? My, my, uh, my aunt is a, was, a, before she died, she was the head of the Farm Bureau in Arizona. And they took different kinds of cotton and they crossbred it with different things and made a, a uh, cotton that was colored. They had blue cotton, red cotton, I think and yellow cotton. But they had something to make something out of. They mixed those two together, right? And when they mixed those two together, they, uh, they came up with something else. God made something out of nothing. Totally out of nothing. I mean, that's amazing, right? There was no, there was no cotton seed that generated cotton, that generated, uh, that someone picked, that someone ran through a mill and got all the cotton. My, my uh, great-grandfather was blind because of the cotton gin. The, that gin got stuff in his eye and blinded him. I remember him listening to the radio over there, you know, because he was blind, rocking back and, just back and forth in the chair. And then that cotton gin would take it, bale it up, and take it over to the factory, and they'd spin cloth, and then they'd throw it, throw it in a blue thing, and then now you're sitting on it. God did that, boom, out of nothing. You think God's not a God of impossibilities? Hebrews 3 says, in a nutshell, faith creates things that are totally impossible. Something out of nothing. Your minds cannot even comprehend the supernatural stuff. So, what do I mean about impossibilities? 
How many is here in fire, fire starters? Awesome. You guys were awesome last week. I'm talking about impossibilities. For you to know that between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. on that on that parking lot, in that park, in that place, there would be a guy who had the exact colors you wrote down on your paper, who had the exact same needs you wrote down on your paper. I mean, that's impossibilities. Fire starters, excellent job. We're going to do that tonight. We're, we're, we're going to switch it up a little bit, though. I got something really cool we're going to do. But then we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, so don't miss fire starters. Spiritual warfare is going to be really good. And we're going to do a little bit of that. We're going to learn a little bit about that. And then we're going to go out and we're going to go treasure hunting again. That's what we call it, treasure hunting, where you write down different things on a piece of paper. Four people do it and they, write, they put it together and it leads them to a clue to find a treasure. And guess what the treasure is? The person that you find. And we give them a piece of paper that says, we found you. You are our treasure. Right? And that's what, that's what it is. We're to go find the gold out there, right? But let me tell you about some impossibilities I've been involved in. Um, I'll just leave it on that one for a minute. Um, I was in a service when I was 10. And this guy went blind in one eye and couldn't... And, it was so bad, it injured his eyes so bad, they had to take his eyeball completely out. So he had no eyeball. And so in order to not look completely, you know, gross and all that, they put a fake eyeball in his, in, like a little plastic thing inside his uh, eye socket. So when you would look around, you wouldn't, it looked almost real. I mean, unless you really looked close, you couldn't tell it was, a, it was not real. And someone just had enough boldness to step out and pray for this guy. And when they prayed for him, in his socket, with the plastic on it, he saw light. He saw like a cloud. He took that eyeball off, he took that fake eyeball out, that plastic one, and he saw out of his right eye. And he closed this up, and this guy was seeing without an eyeball. Now, I'm, I was skeptical. I said, Dad, that can't be right. But they taped his eye up, and I said, Dad, give me your driver's license. I'm going to go up there. So I, they get, I took his driver's license up there. This guy never saw us before. We hadn't talked to anybody. Nobody there knew us. And we took that up there, and he read the... Uh, the number off of the driver's license number off of his driver's license card, and he and he saw the whole thing. He saw the, you know, the address, everything that was on there. He described it. He described the picture of the man that was on there. Amazing. Andy Polk's dad. That's a funny name, isn't it? Andy Polk. But anyway, me and Andy grew up together and went to high school together. And when Andy was, uh, 
when Andy was growing up in high school, his dad was one of the, those kind of dads that he goes to church just enough so that he doesn't feel bad about not going to church. You know what I mean? He felt just guilty enough to, to go to church every once in a while. Now I don't have to go because uh, I've, I've done my duty for the month or whatever. You know, it goes once a month. Or, and, uh, but his wife was relentless, you know. And so she talked him into going to this, this uh, full gospel businessmen's fellowship. And now I'm a couple years older from where I saw the eyeball. I'm full of faith. But Andy's dad just stood up. Everybody looked around. And the guy just fell over. Hey, KP. Glad to have you here, man. Tell him about my, dad, my friend's friend, Andy Polk's dad. He just stood up in the middle of the service and just fell over dead. Boom. Nurse and a doctor went over there and started doing CPR, you know, doing their thing. One, two, three, whoosh, one, two, no, whatever the number was. I took that course and I forget now. I have to remind myself. But back then we didn't have CPR courses. We didn't have the little, you know, shocker things that's on the wall if the guy dies on you. And this guy started turning black. He started turning purple. And uh, he was actually purple. He wasn't black. Just getting black. But he was turning purple as we were working on him there. And finally, the ambulance came in. And I'm looking over there. And, they, and the doctor and the nurse gets up. And you can, say, you can hear them. You can almost tell that they're saying, this guy's dead. We've worked on him for 15 minutes or so here. He's not going to come back to life. And... Uh, so as they left, the prayer warriors got over there and started praying really fervently over this guy. And I can't even remember what they said, but I knew they was doing, they were giving it all they could to, to pray for him, you know. That, who wanted a, a guy to die in the middle of their service, you know? And I, that would have been like, I'm not going to that service anymore. But anyway, so... Andy Polk's dad, they put him up on top of this stretcher. And the first thing that guy did was he went whack and whacked that guy right on the chest. And I was thinking to myself, man, that guy meant it, you know? And then as soon as that thing, his hand bounced off, Andy, and he was rearing back to hit him again, Andy Polk's dad set up and said, why are you hitting me so hard in the chest? <laughs> and boom, as soon as, that, as soon as that, those prayer warriors left and they put him back on that, color started coming back to him. And when that guy hit him, it was already too late. God had already raised him from the dead, man. He had fixed that guy's heart. He went to the doctor. There was no heart trouble, no nothing. The guy couldn't even, they couldn't even find why the guy passed out and why did he die. They didn't find a thing. Then there's my mother, okay? My mother was uh, diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, okay? Reason we were going to all these places for, and seeing healings because she was seeking her healing, man. Every time we would go anywhere, she, she wanted to go if she was at all ready because she couldn't move her hands. 
You can, when she comes here, you'll see her one day when she gets here, you'll see her hands are still all, all twisted and from the arthritis, but there's no pain there or nothing because she got healed. But it took her 12 years. When you pray for the sick and nothing happens, what do you do? You gotta keep praying. You gotta keep seeking the Lord. Yeah, it looks like it doesn't happen, but something always happens. My mother, 12, 12, and this was, and I can say this truthfully, 12 stinking years. You know what I'm saying, Charmaine? 12 stinking years of, hey, come pull the covers up. I she couldn't even pull the covers up. Her hands were not even strengthened enough to pull the covers up. You know, this is, this is the lifestyle we lived. Had to go out to eat a lot because she wouldn't cook. Right? So we, had, we knew all the restaurants, which she loved, by the way, anyway, because she, she likes to talk to everybody, you know. And, and that's another thing when you're ministering, know who you are, right? Are you an extrovert or an introvert? And we had a whole group of introverts go out last week. And they did a marvelous job, right? You were telling me? They, were in the, they, they, they came and testified and they were like really, you could tell they were all interviews just testifying, right? But, but they did it, you know? They took this leap of faith. So prayer, if it doesn't happen, pray again. Don't feel bad if you pray for the sick and it doesn't happen. But, what was I gonna say? Oh, my mom, that's who I was talking about. So now, 15 years later, my mom is completely healed, totally healed, and she's 84 years old, and you know what she takes? One aspirin a day. Nothing. She goes, I don't want to go to that doctor. They just tell me I have to, something's wrong with me, and I'm believing the Lord. There's nothing wrong with me. That's the way she is, you know. And she just lives that by faith. She broke her ankle, and the very, like, uh, they went in and set it, fixed it up, and two weeks later, she's out walking around on her ankle because she believed the Lord had healed it. And uh, she went to a hospital one day. We're talking about living in possibilities, right? This is kind of stuff that happens with daring faith. She goes to the hospital with her friend and her, she walks in the room and introduces herself again, says, oh yeah, I know you, yeah, I'm coming here to pray for you. Oh, you are, and as soon as she starts to pray for her, she gets interrupted and these people, these uh, two nurses walk in. They walk around them over and turn their back to him on one side. She thought, that's strange. And about the time they, they stopped there, another uh, a doctor came around and, and stood at the foot of their bed, took a newspaper out, sat down on the, the, uh, the little window seal there, opened up the, the paper and started reading. And then two more Nurses came in on the other side of the bed, and one nurse came in and stood by the door over there. And then they just froze, just like, 
totally froze. And she goes, well, I guess they're waiting on me to pray. So she went over there, and they prayed, and this lady gets healed. The Lord touches her body. She gets healed, and the next day she leaves. Well, as soon as Mom gets done praying, these, these nurses and doctors, they just filed right back out. So Mom went in there, went out the door to find them, and they weren't there. And I go, well, Mom, what do they look like? And she goes, you know those little white hats that they wear? I go, Mom, they haven't wore those little white hats since they were in the 50s. She goes, well, you know, I thought that was strange. She goes, they were definitely angels. And so we don't know. We, you know, we, the Bible says we, have, we entertain angels unaware. The angels are... Uh, have charge over us lest we dash our foot against a stone. We have a, a guardian angel. There's different. We are in a spiritual world, right? Living in impossibilities. Living in impossibilities. Uh, Calvin, John Calvin. Now, I like John Calvin. I'll tell you why I like John Calvin. John Calvin was my dad's name. John Henry, my bowl, my, Henry Bowles, my son, was named after my dad, so he's already, so my, my son's named after John Calvin. And I, the other reason I like John Calvin is he has uh, a really good saying. He says that we must make the kingdom visible in our midst. The invisible kingdom visible in our midst. John uh, wrote a lot of stuff. He wrote, it is more this is John talking. It is more, faith is more than a mental ascent into the doctrines of the church. There is real knowledge involved. There is a knowing on the part of one who believes. This knowledge, according to Calvin, doesn't mean comprehension. Say, I cannot comprehend God. We can't. There's nothing that they have such things, Calvin writes, that it, it falls outside human sense. That knowledge is so superior that the human mind, it passes the human mind. It goes beyond itself. It's not even within our reach. It feel, it, this is the way, this is what John's saying, John Calvin. But persuaded, but it's more of persuasion. We are persuaded. It's more than a human matter in its own capacity. It's just a persuasion. And that's the reason, uh, next slide, that's the reason Paul wrote to Ephesians that ye may be able, he says, I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ that, that passes knowledge. There it is. You can't comprehend it. Passes knowledge. And be feel, filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. We, that, that word, playro, I like that one. I even like that it says play because it is fun. Daring faith is fun. I laugh all the time. Mainly because no matter what happens, you might as well laugh. Right? 
God's already got it under control. If you don't laugh about it, why? You know, what are you saying? Oh, God can't do it? God can do anything. So let's have some fun. Let's, let's uh, ha- be full. Carry into effect or bring into realization the sayings and promises and prophecies to bring to pass, to ratify, to accomplish. Bring about the promises of God in our life. Be filled. Bring about the promises of God into our life. Bring to pass the prophecies. Jesus prophesied, right? He said, He that believes on me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works because I go to my Father. He was talking to the disciples right before he was leaving. He's saying, hey, I've got to go. If I don't go, you won't receive the power that you need. And I prophesy to you today, this is kind of what Jesus would say in today's language, that if you believe on me, greater things than I do will you do. I got to turn this thing off so it doesn't ding. Last slide. Matthew 10 says that the 12 were sent forth and commanded, saying, go go into the world, be focused on your mission. In other words, don't go to Gentiles or Samaritans, but be focused. That's what he's saying to us. Find your destiny, be focused. Seek the Lord in the place that he wants you to go and preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What have you received? That's what you're supposed to give. Right? Daring faith makes the invisible kingdom of God visible. What does that take? A step of faith. What's the Lord saying? What's the first thought that comes to your mind and say, when you say, Lord, what's the love of God for that person across from me? What, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to Fire starters are learning to exercise this. My son, he was over there playing video games. I said, John, come over here and prophesy. And boom, he came over here and just totally, when he talked to the person in front of him, it was exactly where they were. It's just that easy. Just say what the Holy Spirit says. I want to encourage you to just do it, right? Next slide. If you think about it, the time will pass. Me and Heinrich last week, I told you, we went to Groovies. Everybody know where Groovies are, right? Right down the street here on the... I'm, 
because it was close. That's the reason we went there. But, but the, uh, the guy came by, and I had a word for the Lord, and I thought for a second, and the guy left, and I missed my opportunity. Do I mess up all the time? Do I miss it all the time? Am I getting better at it? Certainly. Sometimes I got some really good stories. You know, I, I got a great story from Christmas, right? Well, what did I do this week? You know? I can't think of anything right now except study for this sermon. Maybe that's what the Lord wanted me to do, but seek out what the Lord wants you to do, right? Everybody say, let's, let's just do it. I'm going to do it. Now look at the person next to you and say, you can do it. Right? Let's all stand. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to the Lord or you feel like you're way off, away from the Lord, now's the time to get back in right standing, right? So I want to I wanna just as a benediction... I want us just to shut our eyes and close in for just a second and, and just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Bring me close to you again. Give me encounter. Give me daring faith. Give me the power of Acts 1.8. The boldness to preach the gospel the boldness to raise the dead, heal the sick, and do miracles, signs, and wonders. And Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're dismissed. And go Dolphins. Let's be Buffalo. Have a good, have a good week, guys. Our starters will see you at four.